This episode of Blurred Up was recorded before the release of Rhapsody's Eve, which is available now. Trust that we will talk about it very soon. But for now, enjoy the show. Blurred Up, Blurred Up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. We are now on Apple Podcast and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. We are also on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. And we are on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. I'm your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by Mel. Hello, hello. And a very special guest, Jack Zilla, one of the founders of Fame Creators Network and Soul. Ooh. He is an entrepreneur, MC, DJ, actor, change your engine, do your taxes. Makes a great peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> Unclog your drain. I mean, what 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 don't you do, man? Um, I don't make great peanut butter sandwiches. Really? I, yeah. I've been misinformed. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer fish and grits. Uh, well, mm. see, that's better. Okay. Sand- sandwich? Okay. There we go. A fish and grits sandwich is actually not bad. Really? You just have to dry out the grits just enough to top them, put them on some nice bread. Yeah. I'm assuming there's there's I, no sugar ooh. on those grits. We I don't feel like <laughs> you see the face, you guys. <laughs> you you're a crowd, I'm Muay Thai. It'd be a good matchup. Uh, but no. let's not see what happens. They got the range. I'm cool. <laughs> right. No sugar on grits ever. I don't trust people who put sugar on grits. Okay. That's, I that's don't cool. eat grits, so y'all, that's all you. <laughs> <laughs> One of our grits. Today is a very special show. I've wanted to do this show for a while now. I wrote a pretty well-received medium think piece last year about a new wave of rap is coming. You can actually Google new wave of rap. My piece is actually the first to pop up now. So that's cool. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. No, no, no. There's all the shame. (laughs) Anyway, I I wanted to expand on that given how dire the social political situation has gotten back in the States and abroad. Two weeks ago, I was really behind on rap so i downloaded about 15 Hmm. albums in a few days and that was the weekend when the mass shooting in el paso Mm -hmm. happened and so i went to the gym that saturday and i put on megan the stallion for the first time and i worked out and it was cool (laughs) but after a time i just became a little numb Mm. you know i'm rich my pussy's great i don't need no niggas yeah i just kind of cut it off and uh, i decided to put on jim jones and it was, you know, I got money, I'll kill you. Crack music, ad-libs. <laughs> it was like on a technical level, I could appreciate these albums, but a part of me was just overall bored. Mm. How do you guys feel about things right now? Do you want to start with Meg? That's that's. First of all, let me just say that I don't understand what all the hype is about. Ooh, okay. Um, I don't have, I can't think of one Meg The Stallion song that I've heard so far that has ever stood out to me. It all sounds like um, Cardi Jr. to me. Mm. Cardi Light, if you if you will. Um, I'm, j- I'm just not Less into calories, it. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> are you, yeah. Are you? have you heard other works of hers or just this one that came out this year? Just, just this album. Okay, because I've heard that she's had a different vibe on other ones in the past. And then she's pre- previewing this hot nerd mm-hmm. fall yeah. project. And I'm kind mm-hmm. of excited because she's, she's a big anime head. Mm. So mm-hmm. it seems that she's doing projects with different personas and different content. So this may not be like, I don't want, I don't want her to get pigeonholed into this being the Cardi Jr. Yeah. Yet. I think, yeah. Actually, I think that's a good point. I had knew who she was long before I'd ever heard any of her music. It's mm-hmm. funny you bring her up because I actually listened to her most recent album for the first time ever this morning. Okay. And my immediate response was, well, this is cool, but it's not for me. Mm. Um, it, it's just not for me. Yeah. I, but her persona seems real cool. Like I said, I've known who she was for a minute and I've seen her in lots of viral videos and things, but I'd never heard her music until today. And I hope that you're right and that she's doing other stuff and like taking on different aspects of herself in each album because I'd like to hear to hear her or see her do other stuff but this album was just like I said just not for me yeah. it doesn't make it a bad album it's just it didn't really resonate with me and I don't know maybe I'm old but it just didn't really nothing about it made me feel empowered and I really felt kind of bad because like all my girls love this album and I'm the only one in the club mad when it comes on. Like, uh. you, you so, mad? Yeah. <laughs> you straight mad? Not mad, just I guess underwhelmed more than that. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I dig it. It's just there's not much 
it's like I forgot how many tracks there are, but they're kind of all kind of the same mm-hmm. theme throughout. So you know, you've heard one or two, you've heard them all at this point. Yeah, and like they're like a lot of trap she, albums, really. Yeah, well, basically, and I think also a lot of it is that uh, if I recall correctly, none of us are Southerners here. You're not, right, Jack? Uh, I mean, I grew up half in the Northeast and half mm-hmm. in the South. So. Okay, but I mean, I think we would need somebody who was from like Texas, I mean, Alabama. I, I, I spent yeah. the Atlanta. large portion of my life in Mississippi and, and uh, Atlanta. Okay. So okay. So yeah. I, okay. I mm-hmm. don't consider myself a true Southerner because mm-hmm. I grew up in Maryland, but mm-hmm. I spent enough time in the South. I'd say about mm-hmm. half my life in the South, mm-hmm. where I can kind of connect to it. And okay. but at the same time, like there are other Southern artists that, I, for example, right now I'm really hype on listening to the Baby. Actually, like okay. I've been his album has been on repeat this last project, and it's again. Every song sounds similar. He uses the same exact flow, but I can somehow connect to what he's saying a little bit better. Like he doesn't sound as ridiculous as a lot of other people mm-hmm. that I've listened to. Maybe it's just lyrical content too. I it could know. be that. Yeah. It could be that. Sometimes it's content or the voice, because the baby just definitely has a unique voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard his new album, but I did hear his freestyle, and that was really great on mm-hmm. the the double XL. Mm-hmm. I'm going to introduce a term on the show, and maybe it'll catch on. Mm-hmm. Status quo rap. Okay. Okay. Rap that has all the basic tropes of the current scene and preserves the system and industry as it is. Mm-hmm. My homie with CMS calls part of that prosperity rap. So, Ooh. And so what I want to discuss on today's show with y'all and the good people out there is whether this is sustainable given where the world is going. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. To be clear, though, I don't want this to come off as some old folks yelling at the clouds trying to get hip hop <laughs> back to where it used to be. Contrary to what a lot of real hip hoppers believe, I think this has been a great decade for rap. Yeah. Mm. We've seen content, styles, and production that we've never experienced before. And we'll talk more about that later, I hope. Moreover, where the world is right now, I'm not sure how helpful it would be to return to the past, even if we could. However, that doesn't mean we can't look to the past for guidance. Mm-hmm. True. I mean, personally, like I'm, I do think it's going to, it's going to last. Like this, this era of prosperity rap. I think with the current, uh, I guess, trend of people starting businesses, people being entrepreneurs at a younger age, you know, it gets kind of, you get kind of hype when you hear, you know, the baby say, "I'm a young CEO, should," you know, and somebody who's your age, you know, talking about how much money that they're actually making. Or, you know, you see other examples of people not only rapping, but they're actually starting other businesses outside of music with the money that they're making from rapping. And it's just it's this generation is, I guess, more open to doing their own thing, especially independent labels and things like that. They're more open to doing their own thing instead of, you know, I guess my generation and I'm forgive me, Mel, I don't know how old you are. Ancient. Okay. Probably older than you. Probably not, but well. <laughs> I'm happy that you think so. No, um, no. But anyway, we all eat our vegetables. Okay, this anyway, is true. We moisturize. Anyway, okay. anyway, fine wine. Um, so, it, you know, I don't know. I guess just how can I put it? I think that it, it's very helpful to kind of hear this to hear how this generation is doing instead of trying to think, you know, I'm going to go to bad boy and get signed or I'm going to go to, you know, this record label and, you know, be one of their peons and not make any money, you know, and the record label themselves make all the money. So I think in that sense, I think prosperity rap will continue to grow and it'll kind of merge a bit more with so-called conscious rap. I certainly hope so because I don't think prosperity rap, on its own is really sustainable. I think it's good that we as a community are developing a more direct connection to money, but I think that we are sometimes emulating the wrong kinds of connections to money. Mm. I, I want to get there. Oh, okay. No, you're good. No, I, it's, I, I'm glad you're there. All I right. want to get mm-hmm. there. I want to first go back a little bit. Okay. Uh, I want to give our listeners some context of where we're coming from. Gotcha. You, don't, you don't have to give away our, our ages by number, but maybe <laughs> by our, our choices of music here. We'll, okay. we, we may date ourselves a little bit. All right. mm-hmm. So uh, I want to go around the table and talk about the first artists, songs, and or albums that inspired you all to question the status quo when you were younger. 
Who, <laughs> so many. Who so, wants, so many. Who wants to go first? Ladies first. Oh, no, please don't, because I'll be going on forever. You start, <laughs> and then I'll just jump in like double dutch. Okay. <laughs> the first one I remember would have to be Black Sheep, This or That. Ooh. Um, Ooh, you are older than me. <laughs> see? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, so the idea of questioning, you know, you can get with this or you can get with that. You know, that whole era, that whole scene, you know, I was I was young, of course, but I could still connect with that. You know, I had older brothers to explain to me what that meant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jack, you could choose to go this way or you could choose to go that way. I think that was that kind of woke me up. So and I was a bit of, you know, I was the youngest child in the family. So I didn't want to disappoint my brothers when, you know, my brothers would say you should go this way. I would always go that way. And they would use that as an example. So that's probably the first one I remember. Okay. Huh. See, I didn't do it chronologically. I just sort of went by order of importance. I have a really long list and I don't want to get into all of it, but (laughs) I'll just give you the most important one on my list. Just to give you some context, I don't think I really consciously intentionally listen to hip-hop until I was in college I was very much a rock listener before that like mm-hmm. I kind of went through like my uh, what I guess would be the equivalent of ratchet hip-hop phase when I was in middle school and then I turned into like this total like rock person got Trina. really into a- yeah, totally Trina <laughs> I got really really into Afropunk and just rock music in general when I was in high school and then I kind of slowly traveled back towards hip-hop when I was in college and the group that made me do that was dead press yeah Mm. yeah definitely just because they were so different like they were rapping about things that at the time everybody a lot of people were rapping about those things but the way that they did it and how overtly political they were i really loved that word Mm -hmm. um we already did a black star retrospective last year Mm -hmm. so that album and the two subsequent solos from most entire live were like, or like a holy trinity of just afro conscious or afrocentric conscious rap i i've gone at length about that on the other show so mm-hmm. you all can listen to that right but i want to highlight revolutionary volume two mm-hmm. by immortal technique mm. i got into it while i was getting my bachelor's in international studies and i was often the only or one of the only black people in those classes mm. but this album made me feel not so alone and what right. I was learning. And it was it was kind of a perfectly timed companion piece to my school's curriculum, further my interest in learning about the global South and what the U.S. did slash does down there. Like, I was learning about how the U.S. supported various coups and military coups and terrorism down there. At the same time, he's rapping about it. Hmm. Looking at Venezuela now, we know that the U.S. still is involved in trying to overthrow these governments for their own interest. I haven't heard from Tech in a long time, but... You know, if he's out there, if he's ever listening to yeah. our show. Yeah, he's still out there on Twitter. Yeah, I still, I still mm-hmm. follow him on Twitter. Oh, for real? Yeah, he's still yeah. still the same tech. Yeah. He's not doing much musically now, is he, though? I haven't heard anything. He hasn't yeah. put out, uh, what was it, that? Uh, so I think it was maybe two years ago he put out something? Two or three? Two years? I thought it was, it was further than that. I don't know. He was kind of doing the press circuit, so I assumed he'd put something out, but I wasn't sure. Hmm. Maybe he was just talking about stuff he'd done in the past. I don't remember. Then again, I'm old. It might not have been two years. It might have been five years. It's all the same these days. Anyway. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have any more? Uh, any more? Uh, you mentioned Most Def, and actually I put him on my list because the song New World Water was oh, maybe yeah. the first song that, like, it was. it's maybe the only hip-hop song about global warming <laughs> or, you wow. know, envi- the environment. So, yeah, so that definitely was on the list because that made me think about that. Um, also, Lauren Hill's Miseducation album was sure. very inspiring. Maybe not particularly political certainly socially conscious but yeah definitely that's a big one on the list sure yeah i was a big uh krs1 fan oh, yeah. and you know i was been i was fortunate to see him live and he just he re-inspired me when i saw him actually in atlanta um but good to go back to dead prez mm-hmm. i was at <laughs> at one point i was probably one of the angriest black men you've ever seen mm-hmm. and dead prez was the soundtrack to my life mm-hmm. i remember introducing my father to dead prez really and um I, I i can't remember the name of the song but my father is a, is an educator like mm-hmm. he's he's worked in higher education for his entire life mm-hmm. but then i played for i can't think of the song i can't remember the name of the song but the one this this uh these schools don't teach uh, yeah, us shit schools, yeah yeah mm-hmm. 
And my father was just like, his eyes just got really big. Sure. Said, we need freedom. I'm trying to get all we can get. Mm-hmm. And my father was just, you know, and so I remember just kind of schooling my father about it. And so he tried to school me back about why we need schools and everything. And that was just a really interesting dialogue. But that was the kind of thing that, that I, my experience with Dead Press, other than it's just as bigger than hip hop and mm-hmm. trying to burn down everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that. Their most famous album, I guess, the one with They Schools and Bigger Than Hip Hop, also had songs about being a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had songs about history. Mm-hmm. It had that really creepy interlude uh, where it was a guy speaking about wolves, and I can't remember who it is now. Oh, it's completely yeah. slipped my mind. And the yeah. wolves licked the blade. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, it was just a really over... Everything on that album was was very politically aware yeah. and very politically focused uh, and also had a real clear connection to how politics connected to community and community connected to politics, which which I really liked about it. But that brings me to something interesting that I thought of, which maybe you're going to go in that direction, Brendan. I don't know. But I was kind of trying to track like albums that inspired me over time. And I was like, okay, it's weird. Something happened kind of right after Dead Prez where hip hop sort where everything was conscious hip hop for the longest time, right? And it sort of split off into two branches, Hotep and Woke, mm. kind of like Magneto and Professor X, mm. right? And it's weird because I think that now Dead Prez definitely kind of veered off more to the Hotep side if you listen to any of their mo- more recent stuff. Mm. Yeah. That's a great segue. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, it's almost like we planned it. We didn't, but it only, yeah. I have no idea what you're going to say next. Seriously, I don't. What? I'd like us to talk about some progressive rap uh-huh. songs that we heard in the past, but maybe like some old movies we loved are more problematic than you originally remember. And you, you mentioned Dead mm-hmm. Press going more in, in the Hotep mm-hmm. direction later on. I want to talk about one of my favorite rap albums of all time, which is Liquid Swords by mm. the Jizza. Now, <laughs> the last song on there is Bible by mm-hmm. Killer Priest. And it has, I mean, it's almost a completely different vibe from the rest of the album. But I used to play this song all the time. But there's a line about women in it that hasn't aged well. Do you remember that line? I don't remember the line, no. I remember the song. Okay, it goes. Son, life is a pool of sin, corrupted by foolish men and women with wicked minds who build picket signs to legalize abortion. With evil eye distortion, I quiz son with my wisdom. So you had this guy talking about why legalizing abortion is wrong. Yep. And uh, going back through, I was like, wow, that... This huh. is totally a member of the Brotherhood, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mm. kind of got to have to understand, though, I'm not I'm not excusing what he said, but you kind of have to com- understand where they're coming from a little bit. They're the religious beliefs of the majority of, of the Wu and mm-hmm. some of those guys, they... Not surprised that they would be anti-abortion, true by any means. Uh, you know they've they've been pretty consistent over the years with where they stand. You know, yeah, you had some of them that were you know some of them are you know five percenters. Some of them sure. are even as hardcore as like Nuwabians and things like that. Like mm-hmm. they they're hardcore. Like they're as far as their religious beliefs. A lot of them are. But, okay. you know, true. I, I I can't say I'm, I would be surprised to hear that coming from any member of the world. True. But even if it's not surprising, it doesn't make it any more listenable from a modern perspective. I mean, yeah, that definitely does. kind. It does kind of ruin the song in retrospect, like listening to it now. It's like, oh, even listening to it then, though, I was like, what? (laughs) Like you were doing so well. Why is this at the end of the song like this? Right. Yeah. You know, have you ever read Bertice Berry's The Haunting of Hip Hop? There's this it's this really cool fiction book where she it's about this record producer and ghosts and history and slavery and everything. But there's this really great part in there where one of the female characters talks about how the thing that makes it hard to be a hip hop fan as a woman is that you've got all of these beats and themes that call to your ancestry with lyrics that attack your personhood. Mm which is such a thing, right? And that ruins a lot of older songs and a lot of new songs too, Absolutely. to be honest, because that's not that's something that's never really gone away in hip-hop. Yeah. Do you guys have any other any songs that are problematic for you now? Songs, not necessarily, but artists have definitely become more problematic over time. On my list of inspiring albums, I had Kanye's Graduation, but who he's become <laughs> ever since then kind of ruins it for me now. Yeah, you know, like I can still listen to you know, like All Falls Down and Jesus Walks and things like that, and think, wow, great song, really interesting focus. Who could he have been? Because who he's become, 
yeah, kind of ruins those songs now because you you realize that the focus of what he was saying was not what you thought it was. Yeah, I was a bit heartbroken with Kanye because at around the time he was talking all that nonsense and you know in public and on TMZ mm-hmm. was when the collab album came out with him and Cuddy. And oh right! Oh, yeah. Kidsy Ghost. Yeah, yeah Kidsy Ghost. To that. Yeah. Kidsy Ghost is really it was a really good album and one of my favorite songs to date from Kanye is Free. Kanye and Cuddy. Free is I love that song so much, but I had to stop myself from listening to it. It was it was like a my personal protest. Just mm-hmm. I can't listen to Kanye right now. Even as much as I love this song and as much as I love Cuddy, I could not listen to this song at that moment. So. Mm, right, yeah. I guess that also goes to show how far does cancel culture go? Where where does your personal protest begin and right. and your public protest stop or begin again i don't know but i guess the idea of are we not listening to these artists anymore because they've gone weird Mm. a lot of times the answer is yes but then how far do you take it because you know (laughs) part of being an artist is being problematic to somebody (laughs) so yeah and that goes into mine like if i had to think of one who i have trouble listening to but at the same time i find value in his music was xxxtentacion Ooh, really? Yeah. See, Interesting. He had a lot of songs that were absolutely like I, <laughs> I shiver when thinking about the actual lyrics, and I, you know, I, mm. I try to think about my nieces, like songs mm. I would not play around my nieces, right? Right. But he has other songs that, or even it'll be in the same song. He'll have one verse that's absolutely problematic, and then the next verse he'll be, you know, talking about something that actually makes sense, or it, so he was that that person for me Mm. and so but i still bumped him in the gym like uh, what can i say i've put a few people onto him you know long before he was you know i hate to be that guy so i knew about him before everybody else but like i did actually Mm -hmm. put a few people onto him and they had this they had that really you of all people listen to this yeah yeah you know well i I just gave you that face but you know yeah you did i totally did i mean like okay um you know though back when everything first started to be to break about R. Kelly, like way back when it first began to break, I started thinking about how harsh, how, how sharp, harsh is maybe not the right word, how sharp a dichotomy there is in mm. black American mm. pop culture and music, where you can be that person who sings I Believe I Can Fly and, and Thoya Thoing mm. on the same mm. album. Mm. And we as a people accept that. And I think that that's the same thing with hip hop still, where, you know, you can be... A dear mama. Yeah. And then. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Or you can be XXX. Ten, I don't even know how to say Tentacle. his name. Yeah. XXX Tentacle. <laughs> Tentacle. Yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> you can be him and say horrible, cruel, disgusting stuff in one verse and the next verse be really inspirational. I think that we're used to that kind of dichotomy in our pop mm-hmm. culture. I mean, just think of if you ever those of us who've grown up going to church, think of how many people come right from the club on Saturday night and go to church on Sunday morning. That's mm-hmm. just a. That, that kind of dichotomy is just a part of our culture, I mm-hmm. think. Interesting. Yeah. Singing never would have made it with a hangover. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly they never would have made it to it. church. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. You mentioned Karis One, mm-hmm. but after his kind of controversy about Abercamp Bambata. Mm-hmm. I knew you were going there. Ooh, yeah. I was going to, I totally forgot about it until you said his name, but yeah, that, mm-hmm. that really disheartened me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the quote or who said it, but it's something along the lines of how long do you have to live to see all your heroes become villains? Mm, yeah. Right. And it's kind of that thing with, I mean, a lot of these artists, a lot of hip hop artists came up in an era where the idea of revolution is, di- this is something we probably should talk about a little bit later because the idea of revolution changes from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very much apparent when you look at hip hop because it's progressed so quickly and because the same people who started it are still alive and still trying to make music. And it it's not outdated, but it does sometimes come across as offensive because what they were struggling against was so different at the time. We'll definitely talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. I'd like to move on to some songs or artists, albums that have inspired you recently. I'm going to start off with Run the Jewels. Um, surprise, surprise. Right. They've been in heavy rotation this decade, not just them, but, you know, uh, LP and Killer Mike solo albums from 2012. You had from Killer Mike, Untitled, and Reagan, LP, $4 Vic. Um, that was like my soundtrack for when I was kind of uh, 
I was in a very racist school. I won't mention the name because I don't want to get sued here, but it was my soundtrack to get out of bed mm. for, for months. Wow. That song. Just trying to just survive for these kids. Kendrick, of course, Kendrick mm-hmm. Kendrick's mm-hmm. has dropped a lot of gems. Actually, one of my favorites, probably my favorite song of the of the decade, rap song of the decade, is still his song with Flying Lotus, uh, "Never mm-hmm. Catch Me." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. That video is amazing. The song's amazing. Of course, you have you know, "Sing About Me," "Mama." Of course. All right yeah. is still to me. I think it's become such an anthem. Yes, of course, mm-hmm. for for sure. I, I was going to mention that, uh, but for me, "Mama." I really felt it as an expat coming back home on vacation and feeling like I, I had this broad perspective. I knew all these things, mm-hmm. but I also realized how little I still knew and how much more I had to learn. Like humility. Lupe, you know, me and me and Jack are, are Lupe fans. <laughs> are we? Are we? Uh-oh. 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 What, what, what Lupe No, I am, I am a Lupe fan. I just, I didn't like that one album. Tetsuo? Tetsuo. I just mm-hmm. didn't like it. How do you feel about I like Droga's Way. Droga's Way, okay. I like it a lot. I liked, uh, yeah, that whole album was amazing. And Sylvan LeCou's album, apologies in, in advance. Have you heard that album? came out last year? I think you put me onto it, but I probably only listened to it once. It's a little long, but I talked about it this year with uh, Sean Soul about our favorite rap albums, but it's about examining it and coming to terms with your faults, addiction, and the commitment to working on those faults and trying to heal. Like, the whole album is about that. It's not just, like, a song. Because, you know, in some rap songs, they have maybe one song dedicated to being introspective, but this was a whole, this is a whole project dedicated to it, and I really, really love that album. Mm. On that note, it's not hip-hop, but obviously Solange's Seat of the Table yeah. is mm-hmm. just, it's godly, mm-hmm. godly work. It really is, yeah. Right. I was not expecting her to hit us with a jazz album, and she did. It's great. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, anything by Gambino recently, okay. like mm-hmm. in the past year, like even the songs, simple songs like Summer, right? When he did Feels Like Summer. Mm. That is, for the past two summers, this summer, last summer, that has been kind of like my anthem for It Feels Like Summer, right? It's just the, the, even though it's not, you know, politically inspiring, it's just really good to connect to a song that can actually connect you to a certain period, a certain feeling or something like that. So even if it's not just the song, just the inspiration of him being able to do that and, and reach somebody, I'm, I'm kind of just inspired by intention quite often in that way and of course you can't deny this is america like that song kind of just destroyed everything right Mm. true absolutely yeah i mean i definitely would agree with you about gambino being inspiring as a persona Mm -hmm. um and as in his performances but lyrically when i was trying to think of who's inspiring me now it was really hard to find someone who stood out Yes. Um, a lot of stuff I listen to, I kind of have the same response I had to Megan the Stallion. This is nice, but it's not for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And I don't know if it's because, again, of because of the changing nature of how revolution works in different generations. Uh, but also, I don't. I listen to a lot of non-English stuff, and it's interesting to me how hip hop has become the sound of revolution, mm. but not everywhere. But it doesn't necessarily contain the substance of revolution. Have you guys heard what's been? Ha- of course, you know what's happening in Hong Kong right now. Mm. But have you heard what the Chinese government recently did as a part of their counter-protest measures? The Chinese government got some prominent Chinese hip hop artists to create a hip hop song that's anti-Hong Kong. Yeah, and it's actually gotten quite popular. A lot of people listen to it. Wow. But it's because hip-hop is the sound of revolution, so they're using it. And what the other interesting thing is uh, China controls artists, uh, musicians, visual artists very, very tightly, especially in their lyrical content. And Hong Kong being a part of China is also under some of that those controls, which is part of what this protest is all about. But there's a couple of Hong Kong rappers I follow, and they've all disappeared virtually from social media. Wow. Which... I find interesting. Now, not being a person who speaks Chinese at all, really, I don't know the deeper story behind this. It's hard to find this stuff out in English, but I am very curious because I've seen this. The, the Sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say I find that interesting because even uh, recently, mm-hmm. China. I think it was as recently as last year, China had banned hip hop basically yeah. from right. being on TV right. at all. Exactly, right, exactly. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And so now if, some, if they're using it to exactly. kind of as propaganda, mm-hmm. that's... Yeah, they're using it as propaganda wow. because it targets the youth and it sounds like revolution. Mm. It sounds like what's cool, what's funky, what's hip. Um, which I, I, found it, I found it really, really interesting. But I guess because of that, I'm, 
I'm not over hip hop. I'll never be over hip hop. It's a part of my culture, but I'm a lot more critical mm-hmm. in what I in the way that I listen to it because I know that just the sound of hip hop now means something independent of its lyrical content, which I think is interesting. I want to transition to recent songs that appear more woke or progressive, but upon examination may come up a little short. And I think that directly goes to your point about what the revolution looks like generation to generation and your point about success and how we measure that and mm-hmm. how we're yeah, being involved with that now. I think before we can even get into that, you have to ex- you have to describe what a revolution actually is. What is this revolution? Do we even really want any kind of revolution now? Those are all the questions you have to ask yourself before you can define what that even means. But I feel like as far as activism in music, the perspective has changed from being a political one to a personal one, where it used to be very much like the schools don't teach us nothing. Now the song would be this is what I didn't learn in school. It's become very self-focused and very much about self-improvement and changing, which is why so many people have personas that are all about, look at me, I'm different, but I still love myself. Mm. Look at Lizzo. I love her, but that is very much her persona, right? She talks all about how she didn't think she could make it in the industry because she's a big, black, dark-skinned woman. Um, Hello, how many big, black, dark-skinned women do we know? And how many big, black, dark-skinned women have been famous in black circles for a million years but this is her persona and she's acting like it's a brand new experience to be a black dark-skinned woman who's larger in the music industry hello also i think she's able to do that because she's got a lot more mainstream attention than most people do and also because we kind of went through this dark time in hip-hop i guess the, the the 2000s like from 2000 to 2010 where everything was super mainstream mm. so we kind of lost like i i'm always I, my youngest brother's only 19 and um, I'm always trying to explain to him what it was like when there was black famous and white famous and how those were different <laughs> things, right? Mm. Like how it was before the internet, how it was when you had artists who really were only famous in, to black people. And like now everybody's try- able to break into the mainstream and does it pretty quickly. So I don't know anybody who's just black famous who's young now. So I think that's part of Lizzo's stick. And I'm not taking anything away from her. Like I said, I love her. But her whole persona is focused on herself and her personal revolution. And I think that's what a lot of artists are doing. Right. I mean, I think that also goes back to what I was saying earlier about ownership, like that mm-hmm. kind of being the theme mm-hmm. of this generation. You know, right. they're, yeah. they are owning their personalities, but they're also owning their own businesses. And they are trying to, I guess, just grow personally instead of growing under somebody else's tutelage. Whereas our generation was more so, you know, I want to go be under, you know, Russell Simmons. I want to go be under, you know, you know, uh, Diddy, like people like that. So I I think that's just kind of fits the theme of whatever is going. I mean, is it I don't I don't think it's necessarily a selfish thing. I just think it's right now just people are just there's the, the I guess collective mind that we might have had mm-hmm. be in in the older days mm-hmm. i think it's just gone now yeah and i think that's part of why we have why hip-hop and r&b artists are so quickly mainstream now because right. it's not about a proprietary culture anymore mm-hmm. which is a whole other discussion but um yeah i agree and I, you're right i don't think it's a selfish thing i think it is just that as we kind of assimilate more to be honest i think it just becomes easier for us to speak about the future and the changes we want to see in the world in terms of how we want to change our personal situation Mm -hmm. because we see our collective situation very differently right and on that note that brings me to my first song which may be controversial uh the story of oj well given what jay-z's been up to or been exposed as having been up to recently you're right it is controversial we're gonna get there (laughs) but i want to talk first about this song in particular so as we all know the song talks about what Jay did to achieve wealth in some ways, and he spits game to help us attain our own wealth. Mm. The problem is that he's still framing his success through a capitalist lens without context of the systemic issues that black people have faced historically. How can you talk about us getting credit when banks and whatnot have historically denied black people more than whites? How did Jewish people attain the property he talked about in his song? I mean, they were allowed to. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, he talked about buying a painting for one million and then multiplying the value in the song. 
I mean, capitalism is not the solution for all of black people to get out of a system designed to keep us down. But I think a lot of people think it is. So, <laughs> so I, and I want to piggyback off that. I feel like Jay and a number of rappers, I mean, that's the whole persona. He's selling a dream that is pretty unattainable for the 99%. And I liken some of this, this selling of a very improbable dream to Trump and his followers. And I don't want to call, you know, black people like conservatives, but the, the, the idea of celebrity worship, hold on, hold on. The, the idea of celebrity worship, like uh, this very successful person is a guy like me and I can do what he can do too. It's a very pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of mentality, in my opinion. But mm -hmm. in black slang, we just use the term hustle. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's still a conservative, capitalist way of looking at life and people. Well, this is a generational thing too, because black people are conservatives. Okay. <laughs> Older black people are conservatives. Sure. I mean, this is. I mean, th this is this is something that's been an issue historically, uh, and it's kind of like Don Lee wrote: "Time makes conservatives of us all," um, because the revolution moves on and you don't. <laughs> you sit your ten points poles down, and that's where you are. Right. That's what Jay Z's done. He's okay. capitalism worked for him, and he's selling a dream to people. Be like me, and I think that a lot of black people are. Certainly fiscally conservative, which is a loaded term, but I think you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> or certainly Because a lot of us really do think, this is where this, like you said, Jack, this trend of becoming an entrepreneur comes from. A lot of us really do think that the answer to, that the way to build up our community is to amass wealth. And sure, that could that is one thing that is helpful, but you cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater. You also have to address the systemic reasons why we haven't amassed wealth. And that's that, that. I think that's where Jay Z's dropped the ball. There's a quote I saw today, actually, when I was going to work, and it said, "The ultimate goal should not be getting a seat at the table. The goal should be destroying the discriminatory ass table." Right. Yeah. Or you know, sit somewhere else. I don't know. Well, I was gonna <laughs> offer it slightly, slightly different voice. I mean, I don't necessarily think. Uh, He's I mean, yes, he's he's taking a seat at the table and, and by having, I guess, this sort of capitalistic view, he's, you know, he's doing all the things that you spoke of. But I also think Jay-Z has shown clearly that he is about building his own table. Sure. And so, yes, he's he's going to sit at this table at, with the NFL and everything. And but I just believe he's shown us enough times uh, that he's more so about. He is about ownership and he is about collective ownership. He's not, he just, just from the past, he doesn't seem to be so focused on just amassing wealth, wealth on his own. He also teaches others how to also amass wealth. He brings other people in, you know, under him and under his tutelage to teach them about these things. He's not just, you know, speaking about it and just saying, Hey, you go do it, which is what a lot of conservatives do say, I did it. Look at me. No, he's actually explaining how he did it. He's actually, you know, and he's also at the same time, like I said, creating his own table for people to sit at through Rock Nation, through, you know, all of his other ventures. So I think it's, I don't know. I, I Yeah, I have some of the same thoughts about, you know, capitalism. But at the same time, if you can create your own system, then I think it's it's valuable to teach people how to operate within a new system and to get people to start thinking about, um, about creating wealth versus, you know, versus just continuously fighting against everything that everybody else is doing, like mm -hmm. just diverting attention. Okay. Instead of fighting this, you're not, cause I still believe somewhere. All right. And this, and this is opposite from what I, where I used to be. There's some battles we're not, we're just not going to be able to win until certain people die. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. Certain people are going to have to die for us to win certain battles. And so in the meantime, let's build our own system. So when they die, now we have our own in place. Mm. That's and I think that's what people like Jay-Z are, are doing now. Right. And I, I can agree with a lot of that. But I guess I would add the caveat that if we are going to create a focus on building wealth within our community, we also need to start at the very ground level and focus on what it is we do with that wealth and who it is we invite to sit at the table that we create with us. Otherwise, we're going to wind up right back where we started. You know, you become what you judge. You become, if we are only building up wealth as a 
way of exercising judgment on our oppressors, then we are doomed to become them ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I agree, but I just think that, I think the conversation should be broader than it is. And I don't necessarily know that artists like Jay-Z are opening it up as wide as it should be. And I guess, and I don't hear a lot of other voices in the hip hop world. Not that hip hop is necessarily responsible for financial education, but we right. took it there. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Um, not that hip hop is necessarily responsible for financial education. It's just that if we're going to have voices like Jay-Z, I would love to hear other voices in widening the conversation. Those voices exist, of course. They're just not as loud as Jay-Z. Jay-Z right. has a much bigger microphone. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it has to operate from both the head and the tail, like mm-hmm. at the same time. You can't just, you know, look at it and say, OK, we can't we should ignore the Jay-Z's and the people who are, you know, I guess making more noise about it and just focus on only the, the grassroots and ground level. And I think we have to operate from both sides at the same time mm-hmm. because Jay-Z will have a lot more resources and a lot more power than some of our grassroots organizers and, and you know, the immortal techniques and the, the dead preses and those mm-hmm. people who are still active from the grassroots level. So I think we kind of need to have both. There needs to be some sort of, I, I don't want to say merger, but some sort of convergence of thought between the mainstream and the grassroots movements. I got a quote from a tweet on the way to the studio, um, which says, billionaires, white or black, will not be leading the revolution to redistribute wealth and abolish capitalism. Uh, This was shared by the Hampson Institute, which added, people like Jay-Z, as as Jack said, people like Jay-Z may do some work to highlight social injustices, but their economic interests are diametrically opposed to our interests. More so, their existence is made possible by our collective exploitation. So I'm with Mel in the camp of, yeah, I mean, he's in, in you. I, I think he's doing good things, but he shouldn't. there needs to be other voices out there, f- for sure. I'm not in the cancel Jay-Z camp. I don't want anyone to think that, but we definitely but need to be. Are we considering him the leader, though? No, like, no, no. Is, no, that, no. is that, I mean, because I don't think anybody's considering him the voice, the leader of the so-called revolution. No, but when it comes to rap and he's talking about these things and he's influencing people about how to view the world and themselves, their society, I think it's important that there are other voices as big as him that are saying, you know what, it's not, mm, it's not quite that easy. Yeah, Jay-Z is what people who are not into listening to political rap listen to when they think they're being political. And I mm-hmm. think that's why his voice is so important. Like you said, he's the loudest voice in the room on these topics in a lot of these situations. Okay. Other songs that you think are problematic of of recent? I mean, no, I don't have any... I personally don't have any other problematic songs. I guess I... I avoid certain people mm. just, I, you know, I, there are certain, I guess, more ratchet artists that I listen to, but it's, I know what I'm getting into. And there are certain ones that I know are going to be problematic that I avoid. Like, so I don't have anything necessarily new that I can find that's problematic. Okay. Yeah. And I think also nobody really listens to the radio or goes to the club to hear new music anymore. We mm. kind of search it out on our own and that makes it a lot easier to avoid people and to really only look for stuff that really resonates with you which is sort of an interesting change in media consumption right the streaming world has helped us a lot with that because now i can i can legit listen to exactly what i want to i can find all the related artists connected to that person Mm -hmm. without having to do much research right but it also means that you're not necessarily discovering anything really new it Mm -hmm. means that it's harder to be on the cutting edge of things that's right because there's no place to find that really that's right unless you go looking for it and then who knows if your cutting edge is the same as all the other people who are looking speaking of cutting edge I want us to talk about what we want to see in rap going forward. I kind of want to break it down into a few types of rap. There's a rap that provides information, like like Immortal Technique, names, names, mm-hmm. dates. There's rap that inspires. You have your all rights, etc. And there's music that helps heal, maybe help you not feel so alone. And I think that third got the most volume this decade. This is the decade where rappers could talk more about mental health, depression, anxiety. So I would definitely like to see a lot of that, a lot more of that going forward. 
I agree. I think that that definitely got the most play this this past decade. But I really would like to see that kind of rap where people are able to kind of are able to provide identification and, a le- and less loneliness, as you put it. I want to see that connect more to community movements. Mm. Um, kind of a dead prez uh, for mental health. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but, you know, you get the idea. I would love to see these things start to connect more. Um, because I think that we've, we've really internalized the idea that the personal is political, but community is political too. And I feel like those need to connect. And it would be great to see that be expressed in music. I personally would like to see the um, more of a merger between the the three that you said. Like, I don't want to. Historically, we would go to you know this rapper for this, this rapper for this, this rapper for this. But I wanted to be able, and I think that's because you know people get stuck in their own, stuck in a certain lane, brands, lanes, etc. Sure. Right, they get stuck with a certain brand, and I, I want rappers to be come I guess uh more free and just feel like they have the ability to talk about whatever it is they want to talk about like you said if Meg the Stallion is you know gonna go from this hot girl summer thing to what'd you call it hot nerd fall hot nerd fall thing I mean I think that's hey cool that you know broaden your horizons be able to talk about whatever you want to talk about because you know how often have we heard a lot of the young rappers say you know I want to talk about this certain thing but my fans you know my fans wouldn't be feeling that so you know they might tweet about it they might post something on their instagram but they're not going to talk about it necessarily in a song i want them to feel more free to actually express themselves as far whether it's politically whether it's whatever i i I think there's a certain movement that's that's happening just slowly starting to bubble where artists for example like cardi b are sitting down with bernie and and talking about different you know, political things. I think that's a really cool thing that's happening, happening. And I hope that other artists, younger artists will watch that and say, okay, cool. Let me get politically active too. Can we talk about that real quick? Cause sure. I thought that interview was cute. Um, I, I guess that I agree with you that it's great that she's getting more involved and getting her fans, people who otherwise wouldn't care to get more involved. That's right. That's right. However, in her raps, she criticizes people for being poor. And when the candidate that you endorse is one of the most high profile people in a class war fighting on the side of the poor, would that and should that affect the message in her music? If if we're starting to advocate for progressive leaders and ideas more as, as a culture, as a race of people, but still hold on to the I did it by myself, by my bootstraps kind of conservative way of looking at success and ridiculing others who aren't, who don't have what you have, is that not problematic and is that sustainable? And that kind of brings me to another thing that I, that I kind of, I'm kind of over and it's just the confines and expectations of capitalism in rap. Now, I wonder if, though, if that's the way that this dichotomy is developing in our culture, though, where on the one hand, you can be woke and on the side of the people. And on the other hand, look at my bling. I mean, I again, I feel like that's just another manifestation of the dichotomy that's present in our culture. So to be completely honest, I'm not a huge fan of Cardi B or Bernie. I thought the interview was nice, but um, and it was certainly well played by both of them. But. I don't expect a whole lot from Cardi B politically. The fact that she's doing anything I thought was great. I don't know that we could necessarily hold rappers to some sort of high educational standard. At the end of the day, they are entertainers. <laughs> so, sure. I mean, I thought it was well played. I thought I thought the main focus, the main purpose of that interview was to get people who listen to Cardi B to start paying attention to politics. And that was all it was. Yeah. Um, but I don't expect her to come out with some manifesto on her next album. No, of course I not. I mean, yeah. <laughs> sure. But you know, you never know. I just, like I said, I, I don't know how sustainable it's going to be to keep staying on that trajectory when we're going to start supporting these ideas that, as I said in that quote, are diametrically opposed to what you're kind of yourself talking about. Right. Well, I mean, the culture will change. And as the culture changes, so will hip hop, so will rap, so will the things that people have to say. You can already see that in, okay, uh, Guilty Pleasure Pleasure is Lil Nas X. I 
love his Twitter. His music is whatever, but his Twitter, I mean, he's basically remixed the same song 30,000 times, but uh, his Twitter is Genius. hilarious. Genius. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that his is Twitter true. is hilarious and he's so carefree and so light and so settled in his identity, whatever that may be, in, when, when all is said and done, uh, that I really kind of want to see what I'm actually kind of waiting to see what he does next when he starts to do stuff that isn't a remix of Old Town Road again. Um, I don't know. I guess I like more fully formed personas that seem to connect the personal and the political and the entertainment. But I don't think you can expect that much. Things will change as it goes forward. I just hope we can give people time to grow. Right. So it's going to it's going to take some it's going to take someone close to example again, Cardi, to tell her exactly what you said. Like, all right, look, you're you're supporting this in this way, but in your music, you're talking about something different, which goes back to what I said. Cardi B's lane is talking about money and mm-hmm. cars and you know, her own body and things like that. That's mm-hmm. her lane. I think she might be in some ways afraid to veer off from that. And, you know, so she doesn't want to turn off her hardcore fans, mm-hmm. but it's going to take somebody else to who's close to her to tell her, say, all right, cool. You've been talking about all this, but this is the way you're moving. So what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a chicken or egg thing. I, I, I was thinking about this the other day and I, like, I feel like we're like, we're like, we're in a club right now and you know, for a while it's been fun, but then you kind of start to smell the smoke and you, you try to turn your head to see what's going on, but and you expect the rapper on the stage to tell you cause they can see things you can like, Oh, Hey, Hey, get out but they're still busy turning up. <laughs> then you see a person literally run through the through the crowd on fire. You want to help. You wonder if the rapper's going to stop the show to see what's going on or finally tell us to get out. But no, turn up, turn up, turn up. But in the end, the flames engulf us all and we all die. And the way the news has been going, mm-hmm. the mass shootings, the concentration mm-hmm. camps, rollbacks on environmental protections, fear of recessions, climate crisis. I mean, I could go on. It feels like how the how the universe is expanding at a faster rate, it feels like the bad news is coming at us at a faster and more intense rate. And the more that I just hear this status quo stuff, the status quo rap, I just feel like it's, I think it was AOC, uh, Alexandria Cortez, who said something about politicians are the thermostat for the people. And mm. they, and but she's, she's a person who wants to set the temperature. Mm. And so there's been talk about, you know, well, you know, these rappers are just, you know, doing what what people want, the culture wants. But if Cardi B could somehow maybe change her message to be party music, maybe like mid 2000s MIA, you're still turning up, you're still dancing, but there is some politics in there. I'm very curious about how that could play out or another. It doesn't have to fall on Cardi B's shoulders. I don't want to pick on her. You know, could that kind of rap or that kind of music come back? But, you know, I think the reason we don't have that kind of rap is because we're not ready for it yet. Historically, if you look at the way that arts, that art and politics intertwine, you can tell that things aren't ready to get better yet when the artists are not pissed off and talking about it. And right now, the majority of our artists are like, yep, get that money. Get the bag. Yeah, exactly. Get the bag. Right. So I don't think that we are socially prepared. It's not bad enough for enough of us yet for us to demand change and for artists to express that now. But is it going to take these rich people to get angry though? I mean, Kendrick dropped Mm -hmm. all right. And Mm -hmm. I mean, he was in his his life and he's still going great, but no, but that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. It's not that it's about making people angry. It's just that, you know, it's that whole thing. Art imitates life. Life imitates art, right? Where, so when you first asked me about this show, it was funny because I had just been talking to a friend about uh, the Vietnam era in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, that you know, the interesting thing about that is it seemed like every song he heard on the radio was a protest song. Right. He said it was everybody was making protest songs. R&B was protest songs. Rock was protest songs. Easy listening. Everyone was making protest songs. Everyone was talking about the war and how much they hated it and how much they wanted to change it. Not all the time, but enough so that every every prominent voice was talking about this in some way. Here we are in what is arguably (laughs) a much worse situation and not everybody's talking about it. Because our focus is not there. The the zeitgeist has just not reached that point yet. I don't think it's bad enough for enough of us in the English-speaking world 
to clarify because things are different in other places. And what I was kind of alluding to before when I mentioned listening to a lot of non-American music these days is that other people, other groups of people, other language groups are definitely on top of this as far as, okay, this isn't right. Our art needs to reflect this. But in the English-speaking world, we haven't quite got there yet. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of it is because we are very, very focused on internal work and internal change, which is great. But eventually internal change has to manifest as external change. But we're just not there yet. You mean like communal change, you mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I agree. I just think that... um you know, we have to get ourselves right before we try to help other people. Imagine mm -hmm. if, you know, said ratchet artist, you know, then tries to give advice to other people, yeah. you know, without having, uh, I guess, the background or the knowledge of what it is that needs to change. Mm -hmm. I think then, you know, they're going to spread potentially a disease. Misinformation. You mean. Yeah, misinformation. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, is already happening in some situations. Uh but I think, I just don't think that socially, we as a people are ready yet to ch for, for, for change. We're not at the same place we were before. We're redeveloping it as something new. America's changing and we're not ready to change it entirely yet. I just don't think we are. I, mm -hmm. At present, mm -hmm. absolutely. But mm -hmm. I think once the seas start to boil and mm -hmm. our own grandparents are dying at record numbers because mm -hmm. of heat waves, mm -hmm. we're in a recession again, mm -hmm. I think it will push us to the edge. Yeah. And like I guess before. Yeah, exactly. It, historically, that's the way it usually has to work. Before we get out of here, because we have about five minutes left before oh, no. they, they okay. kick us out, I definitely want to move beyond, obviously, homophobia. And you mentioned that rap has changed in that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't have homophobic or transphobic lyrics in your rap somewhere without being I mean, called out on that yeah, now. Say, that's you great. can, but you're going to get dragged and canceled. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's great. I'm mm -hmm. still sick of the of the misogyny. I really like Anderson Pac. Yeah. But God, he uses bitch. So <laughs> it's like he's a kid who just learned the word and just wants to use it all the time. And the funny thing, again, dichotomy. It's such a hallmark of our culture. Yeah. Because on the same album where he's where he calls every woman out her name three hundred and forty seven times in the same verse of one song. He has these, re the next song is this really sweet lyrical love song featuring Smokey Robinson. How does he do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Do you guys have anything else that you want to add before we get out of here? September 6th uh, at Black Market in Itaewon. Mm -hmm. Fame Creators Network is having our monthly networking party that is open to everyone. However, uh, we encourage people, uh, especially artists. Uh, Fame, as if you don't know, if you don't know, is stands for Fashion, Art, Music, and Entertainment. And uh, we encourage any artist, any creator, whether you're a YouTuber, whether you're a painter, and any designer, whatever, come and network with people that you can uh, be involved with and potentially collaborate with. Come meet your your next potential business partner. It's September 6th. Uh, we open at 8, 8 p.m. and door's only five bucks. So come through and have a good time. That event is every first Sunday? Every, every first, first Friday. First Friday, I'm sorry. Yep. First Friday. I went, the Black Market, that club is, it's an amazing place. It's a nice place, man. The it's art, really nice. Yeah, the, the owner is an it's artist. Gorgeous. Well, I encourage you to come. It's gorgeous. Bring, we should, we should bring, go. we bring go. the earthlings. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's a great place. The owner is an artist himself. And, you know, he's actually expanding uh, what he's doing now to, to encourage more live music. Uh, it's, it's a really, really cool place. I recommend everybody to check it out. While we're talking to Jack, I want to first thank Jack Zilla for being here. Thank can you for you, having me. Yeah, All man. Right. I've wanted you on for a long time. Can you tell the good people where they can they can find you? You can find me on IG at Fame Creators Network. You can also find me on IG as Real Jack Zilla. Those are my two two out of five IG accounts, actually. <laughs> and I go by the same handles on Facebook as well. Those are the two best places to catch me. Mel, are we still doing come in on Blurred Up? Or, or do you want to be found too? Uh, well, comment on Blurred Up because apparently, yeah, come on. We need comments. Give us comments. Awesome. But also, I have, I just, I've been restarting my, slowly restarting my booktube and bookstagram stuff. So you can find me on Instagram at Equal Opportunity Reader. Go follow me so that I feel like I have to make more content because I've been really lazy about it. So follow me. Yay. 
No special spelling, just equal opportunity reader. All right. Well, y'all, this concludes this episode of Blurred Up. Again, if you want to find us, we are on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. We're on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. And we're on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. Uh, let us know what you all think of the show. This is kind of a really different conversation that we usually have. It's usually just reviews and things. but Yeah, this is the conversation we usually have after the mics have gone off <laughs> and we're like walking away from the studio. So it's nice to actually catch it on. Sure. On record, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to do some more of these, maybe in regards to movies and maybe children's entertainment mm-hmm. in this age, maybe TV shows, books. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll see what what comes out of it. Cool, cool. Let us know what you think. All right, y'all. Peace. <laughs>